It's a black male running down the street. Stop right there! Is it? That was 911. A call made just moments before a fatal shooting of an unarmed black man who was simply jogging in Which happened in late February. It killed 25-year-old Ahmad Arbery, and it was leading... So there's an incident in New York Central Park caught on camera, and it's going viral. Black man, Christian... In Louisville, Kentucky, where one person was shot and killed overnight. This is about a woman named Breonna Taylor who also lost her life. Remind us who she is and why she matters. In the time of COVID, she was an essential worker, the kind of person that you and I would rely on if the worst happens and we got sick. Please. The tragic shooting death of a young black man, Ahmad Arbery, has caught the attention of the entire country. Two months later, the release of a video of the incident seems to have prompted... On this and every other episode of The Vegan Chub Club, Black Lives Matter. The episode which you're currently listening to was meant to air on June 15th, two weeks from today, in solidarity of Juneteenth, the holiday festival held to commemorate emancipation from slavery in Texas on June 19, 1865, 155 years ago. Ahmaud Arbery was murdered on February 23, 2020. Brianna Taylor was murdered on March 13, 2020. This episode was recorded on May 24, 2020. The very next day, George Floyd was murdered, which has resulted in an outbreak of protests and rioting all around the world. Thanks to the Vegan Chub Club co-founder, Eden, we were able to host Randy for an interview. Randy, a black woman, entrepreneur, wife, and mother of three girls, runs a podcast called Cases of Color, we welcome Randy to speak on behalf of the Ahmad Arbery murder and on racism in general. This episode is dedicated to Ahmad, as well as Brianna, George Floyd, and so many more. We dedicate our platform this week to the Black community as a whole. We hear you. We see you. Black lives matter. All right. Here I go. Right. It's picking up the sound. Perfect. Awesome sauce. Well, this can be a... Uh... This can be pretty casual. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I go the route of like having a lot of questions ready, but mm-hmm. you're a fellow podcaster and you, you, you have a very like well laid out podcast. I just want to say like, I love that it's like those 15 minute segments. Like mm-hmm. that's just enough time to dive into something and you get really deep and then like, you're like, and that's everything in a nutshell. Thank you. And like, yeah. So that's super super nice for people in this day and age I feel who don't know if they want to listen to a longer podcast yeah. or if they're just gonna tap into something quick but that also oh, yeah. helps people kind of like one after another listen to multiple episodes so. oh yeah oh yeah because I, I, I went back and forth with that I'm like do I want to make them longer do I want to make them shorter and I'm like let me just kind of keep it in the 15 30 minute range because I most mm-hmm. of all I just want people to listen I just want them to hear yeah. the case and Looking at my numbers and my stats, it's working because people are are finishing it. The start to finish ratios yeah. are very high. People are actually listening all the way through. So I'm like, ooh, thank God. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, because when I listened, you know, I, I just started it and I was like, I can't stop listening because it's also because it's compelling, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's compelling material. The content is like, yeah that's important shit and then the second thing is like you have these facts from beginning to end you're i don't know just like 
I'm just praising you here. Your rhythm, your everything, the way that you pace it is just like it's go. It goes really well. So that means so much to me. Thank you. I took a little mental health break with all this quarantine, and I have three kids, so like I've been doing the homeschooling. And I would think being at home would make it easier, and it actually was not. So, <laughs> so wow. I, yeah, I took a little break, but I'm actually will be back to posting next week. So next week we'll be back to regular scheduled programming. Cool. So I'm excited. How long have you been doing this podcast? I've been doing it since last year, around August. Time frame is when I started, and I kind of dabbled in it, but then all of a sudden, episode six uh, just took off, and Mm -hmm. I'm literally talking about, like, I went from, like, a thousand listens to, like, 12,000 listens in, like, a day, and I'm like, I don't know who shared this episode. It was on Spotify. I'm like, I don't know who shared this episode, but, like, whoever you are, thanks, and ever since then, it's just been like people really are loving. They're loving the content. They're loving the, the everything. So it sucked to have to stop. But I feel like you know, mental health is important, especially when I'm out here trying to raise kids. So, but but people are still listening. <laughs> people are still listening. So I'm like, listen, I can't wait to come back because people yes. are ready. So yeah, I yeah. love it. I love it so much. It's it's a passion project for me. So I love it. Yeah. Well, before we get into what what you're here to talk about oh, yeah. today, let's talk about a little more about your podcast history, I guess, um, as far as like, I mean, I just kind of want to know multiple things like what got you realizing this was needed? I mean, that is kind of like a given, but I want yeah. to hear what your version of it is and how you stumbled upon doing this. Like, how hard was it to get all of the research? How do you go about that? And yeah. And I mean, because people want to hear this. People need to hear how it happens, uh, where it's been left off, and why it's important to pick it up and uh, say this isn't over or this isn't okay. How, How do you, yeah, all of it. I got you. So um, every I will say this. I gotta. I always have to bring everything back to my mom. Everything started when I was a little kid. My mom um, was always been very big into true crime. My mother has like watched you know unsolved mysteries and I mean you name it my mom watched it and because of that I always used to just watch it with her you know my mom watched the OJ Simpson trials and my mom is the one who really got me interested in true crime in the first place and there will be some days where I'll I'll call her and we're both watching ID channel at the same time Um, so I've always been very interested in crime but something that my child brought up my oldest child she's 10 And Lizzie said to me one time, she's like, you know what, mom? She's like, why do people always talk about black on black crime? She's like, but they don't talk about the black victims in these shows. And I, it just kind of sparked. I'm like, dang, like, you know, black people, people of color, they're out here getting murdered. They're out here getting kidnapped. They're out here. The same type of crimes are happening in them too. Why are they not the focus of, of a lot of these shows? Why is are they not the main thing? And that got me to thinking, like, I wonder what it would take for me to start a podcast. Like, I wonder what it would take for me to start a podcast because I can't produce no show right now. I have a full-time job. I have a family. But what can I do that's within my means? And uh, for me, I just really thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast. And I didn't do it for the longest time. I was like, oh... I need this type of microphone and these type of headphones and this type of that, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm like, man, I 
could record this shit with my iPhone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the shit. That's the shit that always gets people hung up. It's that perfectionist mentality, too, where yeah. it's like, oh, no, I can't start until I'm ready. But it's the content. You you have to know what content you are exactly. passionate about and what will resonate. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And no, because you're right. And it's like, man, I can't wait until I have. If I keep waiting until I have all the things, I'll never do it. So I just started, and uh, one thing I did invest in those, I did go ahead and buy a microphone. And I'm glad that I did, because I feel like it makes the sound a lot better. It does. Um, so I'm glad that I did buy that. But that's really the only thing I bought. Besides that, these are like some old headphones my dad gave me years ago. This is my same MacBook that I use for my schoolwork because I do go to college like this is you know it's it's all my same things the only thing I bought was the microphone I'm sitting in my little home office I don't have no special like egg crates on the wall or nothing crazy (laughs) and I just said you know what I'm gonna do this and then that brings me into the next part which is research because the thing is we live in the google age you know anybody can pull your card if you give misinformation um so I'm very picky about the sources that I use I'm very big on reading multiple sources as well. I will pull up like my tabs when I'm researching, it'll be like 30 tabs on my thing pulled up because I, and I'm going to read them all. That's the thing. I'm going to read every single one. I'm going to cross reference. Okay, wait, this said it was this day, but this said it was this day. All right. This said it was this time, but this said it was this time. And I'll either go with what's consistent, but I'll always say, I saw multiple things on this. So this is just what was reported, but I have seen some conflicting reports because I think it's just important for the credibility because I'm trying to tell these important stories. I don't ever want the credibility to be lost because then the victims are lost in my opinion. So I take my research very serious and that's why when I tell people I got to take a mental health break is because one, looking and reading about these things, it is disturbing. It's sad. There's certain cases I just can't bring myself to do because they're so gruesome and they're so heartbreaking and there was nothing done. It, it gives me anger and sadness. And I don't think people realize the toll that takes on you constantly taking that information in. Um, so I always try to space it out. I try to do my research um, very thorough, but I don't try to drag it out. And I type up what I want to say, how I want to say it. And then I rehearse it. I will read it out loud to myself as I'm reading it. I'll be like, oh, let me add that in. Let me put some spaces here or whatever. Let me highlight that. Uh, let me mark where I want to pause and maybe add my own opinion on something. And then I will record. So it's a process. Like that little 15, 20, yeah. 30 minutes is it's a production because I can't take yes. away from the importance of what I'm speaking about. So that's how Cases of Color came to be. And honestly, I made the logo on Canva <laughs> with some rectangles and squares. Um, and I wanted it to be simple because I just wanted it to stand out. And I wanted it to make sense. And I put Cases of Color because I thought of the term people of color. And these are cases of colors, cases focusing on the people of color that are forgotten or the not more popular stories or the people who are just, they're not, unfortunately, the only word I can use is desirable. They're not marketable. They're not relatable, which is crazy that a victim has to be relatable. You know, that is, that is, that's yeah. The fact that if it doesn't sell, then it's not worth talking about is is so 
it's fucked up and it's it's part of my French, but yeah, no, you're good. It is. It is. Um, real quick, I'm yeah. having some trouble on Skype. Um, it's like lagging a little, but okay. I know you're talking, so I didn't stop you. But can we turn off the video just in case the bandwidth maybe helps if it's without video? My internet's been a little weird lately too. Same. I think it's because everybody's on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it is like what Memorial Day weekend. It's Sunday. oh yeah. Like, People aren't necessarily going anywhere, but they are. Right? <laughs> like, all of a sudden. Yeah, they don't know how to act. No. No, they don't. <laughs> I do think it's amazing what you're doing, and it's been going on. It'll be coming up on a year for Cases of Color. Oh, yeah. Um, do you have social media for Cases of Color, or is it just... I do. Okay, I do. Cool. It's um, it's literally at Cases of Color on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. Awesome. And I post every time there's a case. And I love when people talk to me in the comments. It's like my favorite thing. You know, especially when someone says that they're a family member of the person I'm talking about. And that they appreciate what I said. Wow. I like that right there. You know, it really is like, man, I'm glad I'm doing this. Yeah. You know, because I always want to move with respect. And I'm always very clear about that. Like, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody. I'm just stating facts. I don't want this to be misconstrued and it when when a family member hears it and they feel the same way about how I'm trying to portray it that really means a lot to me yeah well because somebody is putting it in the spotlight and saying this deserves recognition on so many levels this person deserves a better memoriam a better tribute and and just also people need to know what's happening Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really so, important work. Yeah. And I and I can imagine it can be very exhausting. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Especially right now, especially with with COVID-19 and quarantine. And I, I mean, you've already got, you know, the mentally taxing like underneath everything now that we're living in a different way. Um, oh, yeah. So to do that kind of work on top of it, you know, I can't imagine how tired you must be actually every day every (laughs) day and as a mother oh my god listen mother of three (laughs) three girls at that okay three girls tack that on there yeah i'm one of three girls so yeah (laughs) oh see see look i'm i'm look send your mama some flowers on my behalf (laughs) because i know her life i will do are they, yeah, how are they doing right now? Are they, are they doing all right? So are they they're, all with you right now? Yeah, they're doing really great. Um, shout out to my husband for being a real one, because the only man in the house with him is the dog, you know? But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're doing really good. I have really resilient children. You know, I'm in the military. That's my primary occupation. Right. And, uh... They are just very resilient children, and they just go with the flow. And man, they've been so cool. And I'm a very hands-on mom, especially because with my job, I don't get a chance to be. So I've really taken advantage of this time and made sure we did cool stuff together and did stuff we haven't done at all. Like you know, grow a little garden in the backyard and just hang out. And I, I've been a little bit more lax with like screen time because I'm normally like. Ain't no screens Monday through Friday. <laughs> like, uh-huh. But, but you know, I've been more lax and I've been understanding and I've given them their own personal sp- space to be away from each other. Uh, because, you know, being around even your siblings is still a lot, even for children. 
so yeah just respecting them and just allowing everybody to have their own space but also making sure we're fostering togetherness has made it a lot easier to all be in the house together yeah and I think family family is this thing right now where it's so good to be together and important to be together but it's also really taxing Oh, yeah. And I, you know, my sisters both have children. I do not, uh, and but I love my niece and nephews. Yeah. As if they're my own. But I'm also not in the same state as they are. I'm a few states over. So I hear, oh. you know, I, I talk to them and, and everything, but I hear how exhausted my sisters can be sometimes. <laughs> and I'm sending them all of my love during this time. Because, like, being a parent especially, because you have to be the rock you know they look to you for so much oh but yeah you you don't know what's going on either sometimes and it's just i commend you thank you so you. much <laughs> yeah yeah and the military yeah do you want to talk a little bit about that and yeah of course do? um so i am in the air force i've been in the air force for almost 12 years now it'll be 12 years on september 1st and uh, i'm normally security forces by trade which is a cop and uh, right now, I'm an Airman Leadership School instructor. I teach Airmen basically not just how to be good leaders, but how to take care of their people. Uh, we teach things like diversity, conflict management, communication, basically all the things that really make a good leader. It kind of goes along the lines of industrial and organizational psychology. You know how people come into work centers and basically teach you how to treat your people. It's a similar type of concept. Uh, you can't even move up to the next rank if you do not take the course. So it's a mandatory course. Everybody has to take it. And I'm honored to teach it. And uh, awesome. recently, I just got picked up to do a new job. I'm so excited uh, to be a paralegal in the Air Force for the Air Force JAG. So I'm awesome. really looking forward to that. I actually leave on June 5th uh, to do my training. So I'm really excited. Well, congratulations. Thank you so much. Yes, Thank you that's so a much. promotion. That's exciting. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited to get to do something new, um, and especially something I'm passionate about, which is the law and yeah. getting justice for people and taking care of people and making sure that the law is used correctly. Um, and that's one thing I do like about the Air Force is they're really big on that. Um, it making sure it's done correctly. There's a lot of checks and balances when it mm -hmm. comes to discipline and punishment um, that you don't really see out in the civilian side as far as the justice system is concerned. So I really like that about the Air Force. I'm glad I get to work in that capacity. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Awesome. Yes. Well, good luck with all of that, too. That's going to be an exciting new endeavor. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, that's a really great background for you to have for your podcast. I mean, it shows that you're a credible source as well yourself, that you oh, yeah. know justice, you know the law, you are passionate about it, and you want to uphold it. Absolutely. Um, so with all of that being said, why don't we just dive into what we're here to talk about today? Let's do it. Let's do it. So I guess a little context for everyone listening. The Ahmad Arbery situation that happened in February kind of blew up recently on social media. And I stepped onto the uh, Vegan Chub Club Instagram pl platform to say that everyone is welcome here. This is a safe space. This is an inclusive space. And it should be a diverse space, whether that is body size or body shade diversity or vegan diversity or how you go about living your life or how, how you are. And 
And I just wanted to step onto that platform and say that this is this is an inclusive space. And uh, Eden and I talked shortly after that, and she mentioned she's still very hands-on with the podcast. Again, for those of you listening, if you don't know, you can go back to the beginning of this season, season four, um, and hear that Eden and I have transitioned into her stepping back and I'm taking over most of the hosting duties for the Vegan Chub Club. But that being said, Eden is still very much a part of this community and everything that she implemented from the beginning with Joelle is a part of this as well, including that body shade diversity. And I do not want to lose that part of the Vegan Chub Club. And so Eden had suggested and we had talked a little more about like, well, who can we get on to say some good things and she said I have this friend Randy who runs a podcast Cases of Color and she would be great to come on and speak and I don't know what Eden said to you specifically but she had kind of thrown us all in the same chat room for a second and said here here you guys go figure out what you want to uh, just wanted to introduce you and so I was like great and I didn't know if she had specifically mentioned the Ahmad Arbery case or what she had mentioned so I asked Randy I said what do you want to talk about I would love to hear anything you want to say and and you said that that's exactly what you want to talk about oh yeah so I'm gonna let you just take the reins and and run with it tell us tell us whatever whatever's on your mind about it because I think having your voice at the forefront of this episode is really what uh, we're trying to do today no, thank you so much for that. And um, thank you for, one, making this a space that's genuinely diverse. And that's something I'm going to touch on towards the end of my point. But I think it's important that there are more genuinely diverse spaces. Like, not people who just say it because it's catchy or it sounds good, but people who say it because they actually mean it. And they actually want more people involved um so i thank you for that and yet eden saw uh, one of my instagram story posts and she said you know if you're interested really love to have you on the vegan chub club to talk about this and you know i feel like you would be the right person to speak on it and i was like you know first of all honored i have a lot of respect for eden and what she does and also what y'all do here um so i was honored and i'm like yeah i will absolutely do it like, i have no issue whatsoever you know so Ahmad Arbery, I want to just dive right in. Long story short, he was senselessly murdered for jogging and being black. And I say it's for him being black because I cannot see any scenario where a person who was not black in that situation would have been treated the same. I don't believe if a white woman was jogging that they would have also followed her with guns. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I want to just get past the semantics and let's speak nicely about it and just be honest. He was murdered for looking like he might have done something that no one can even prove that he did. And, and that's the scary part. And when we get into these situations where people are looking at footage and they're looking at a dead body and they're looking at a clear murder of a black person and their first reaction is let's debate it everything ain't up for debate this mm -hmm. is not up for debate my, if that was my dad who is a runner who lives in the south because i'm from the south who lives in the south if that was my dad it ain't up for debate i don't care what he was doing it's not up for debate. No one has the right 
to go up to somebody, assume that they did something, approach them with force, i.e. a gun, and then, oh, well, I'm justified to shoot them because the person started to punch me. But how would anybody act if someone came up to them with a gun? Would you be nice? Would you be understanding? Would you want to have a calm conversation? Even if your first instinct wasn't to fight, you would still be on edge because these are two strangers with guns. And people saying, oh, well, he should have he should have listened to them. He should have followed their commands like I'm just going to be frank about it. Who the fuck were those two? Who were the McMichaels? for him to just oh let me obey them and when black people hear that oh well they should have just followed commands it has a lot of notes of white supremacy and slavery and i say that because people forget or they would like to act like slavery never happened and they don't want to think about the parallel of a black person having to or being obligated to respect someone because of their whiteness or automatically putting the McMichaels in a place of authority because of what there's not even a basis for it and that this can I go go ahead go ahead I just want to interject that yeah Yeah, I mean that's like I've seen so many documentaries of 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 people going to the South and, and talking to white people who still live on plantation yeah. land, who are proud to live in these homes, who are asked then, do you know what happened here? Uh, are, you, what, are you proud of that history that has happened here? And their response is, well, it's all in the past. It's all behind us. Let's not talk about it. We don't have to talk about it anymore. And that, mm. that is that erasure culture. And that is not okay. And that is the same thing as people saying nowadays, you know, I don't see color at all. I don't see the color of your skin (laughs) or all lives matter and everything like that. When it's really like, no, you have to say, I see you. I see your color. I see your skin and I see you for who you are. And, and I want to make sure that, that everyone else sees you for that too. And that we don't forget what has happened because we have to make sure it doesn't continue to happen. But no, you're good. No, because you make a valid point. Right. And I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that up because it's so funny. I was just talking to my little sister before you called and we actually talked about the whole, the statement, all lives matter. And for anyone who thinks that they're doing the right thing by saying all lives matter, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not. And the reason why you're not is because all lives matter was created in response to black lives matter. It was created to cancel out the importance of black people bringing some, some visuals to what they are dealing with and why they need to be valued. All lives matter. Wasn't created before that all lives matter. Wasn't being said before that it was made in response to black people trying to bring attention to the struggle they've dealt with in this country for centuries. So no, you saying all lives matter is not a good thing and you shouldn't be doing it. And I like, you know what I mean? And if you cared so much, then every time a black person was senselessly killed, you wouldn't want to argue about it. Every time I say black lives matter, your response wouldn't be all lives matter. Blue lives matter. It, that wouldn't be your response. You you would be right there with me. But the, the, the issue is that you don't care. And that's why we're going to scream from the rooftops, Black Lives Matter. That's why every time this happens, we're going to attack it with the same energy every single time since Trayvon Martin. Because yeah, 
it's we it, fucking it needs know that. all lives matter. We know <laughs> killing is bad. You don't have to say it. We are talking about Black Lives Matter. We're talking about the specifics here, and that that injustice is not tolerated. Exactly, it's not because it's disgusting, and it's just like I had to tell a friend of mine, and I was and my intent wasn't malicious. And for anybody who said the same thing, I want you to know I'm not attacking you. I'm honestly just trying to open your eyes. But a right. friend of mine said. I cannot believe that this stuff is still happening. I know some people like that sentiment. I hate it. (laughs) I hate it because I'm like, how can you not believe in a country where they literally terrorized black people, brought them here, terrorized them, like literally bred them like dogs? Because it wasn't just people getting whipped, getting bred like dogs creating torture devices, cutting off their genitals, using them as sex slaves, creating multiple children with them, selling their children as punishment. And that's just a few things. Using their babies as crocodile bait. I I could go on, but I don't need to. What makes people so shocked that in a country that got its start in that manner and has never atoned or felt like they needed to atone, for what they did to a subset of people. And then after they freed them, set them back by not allowing them to own business, burning down their churches, hanging them from trees with no consequence. Why is it shocking? Because it's not shocking to me. It's sad that I, that all these centuries later, I still have to watch it and I still have to warn my young children about it. That my oldest child was called the N-word at the age of five. And I, as her mother, didn't think that I needed to prepare her for that. So then I have to watch her come to the realization of why that person said that to her when I could have warned her. I don't live in a frou-frou unicorn world where my kids get to ignore being black. They don't get to act like they're shocked when people do the things that they do. You know, they don't get to be unaware of the fact that their blackness is the first thing that people see because it's a fact and it's not me trying to give them a complex it's so they can be prepared because i've been called the n-word in my uniform i've been out at walmart minding my business in my uniform and gotten called the n-word so it's i can't with the whole i'm so shocked i'm in disbelief if you're in disbelief then you need to acknowledge that you have a privilege that other people don't you need to fix it Yes. Because you shouldn't be shocked. You should just be outraged like the rest of us and sad like the rest of us and then fired up to use your privilege to do something about it. That's that's what black people and people of color need. Can you talk more about that, about how or we can save it for the end too? how we can help be allies like I know, for example, in the indigenous community, they prefer to be on the front lines and have Mm -hmm. white or other colors I guess stand behind them and support them but I have had friends who have blatantly said multiple times like you need to sit down at Thanksgiving and talk to your white family members and your bigoted cousins and things like that like you need to sit down and have those uncomfortable conversations for us and because they're only going to listen to you Um, and I know I just want to know like is that what is the common uh, what can we do I think the biggest thing is Number one, use your privilege. When you see something going on, you should say something about it. Like, it can't can't just be on the internet. Because the person who told you that is right. I can't do anything about making people understand racism more. Because 
I am the oppressed person. So when I'm talking to somebody who is not in that standpoint, they're not really hearing me. They hit me with the the keywords like, oh, it's that victim mentality. It's that, vic-, you know what I mean? Like the, the, those little keywords used to shut down people when they're talking about it. And it really is a matter of confronting your friends. When you hear somebody say something, being the one to stand up for them. And also, most importantly, actually listening to understand. Every time I say the word privilege or white privilege or white people should do this, it's not an attack on whiteness. It's that I genuinely would like for you to understand what I'm going through so you can then speak to other white people, the ones that aren't going to listen to me, the ones who might be so set in their ignorance. They don't want to hear it from me because my life is already invalid to them. Why would my opinion become valid to them? Yeah. And so we need that extra support and true allyship, not just, oh, this is so messed up. Okay, but what are you going to do about it if you witness it? What are you going to say? Are you going to speak up? And it's not just speaking up for black people either. It's all minority groups. When you see it, what are you going to do about it? It's plenty of women, for example, I'll give a different analogy. It's plenty of women who love gay culture. And they love gay male culture, the slang, the, you know what I mean? The sassy yeah. attitude, the, the, and I say culture and I'm not trying to generalize, but just that what they've made in their mind to be gay male culture. Sure. Those same women will not defend a gay man if their significant other is talking shit about that person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's, that's what's needed. It's not, don't just enjoy my culture but then you don't enjoy me. Don't listen to rap music where people are talking about selling drugs and shooting up shit. But then you're the same person condemning that. So what is it? So it's cool when it's in a rap song, but it's not cool when we're talking about the actual generalization and stereotyping of black people. The problem is it's cool when it's appropriated. Mm, say it again it's cool when it's appropriated <laughs> say it's it cool again. when it's on a pedestal and when it's being either mocked or enjoyed for a caricature like semblance absolutely when it's when it is appropriated absolutely. appropriation is not appropriate so it's don't not- do it it's not it's the garbage and it's just like kind of wrapping that back around right with Mm -hmm. the vegan community um my favorite example when i'm having this conversation with other vegans is when badass vegan who's very popular vegan um i'm sure you know who he is super Mm -hmm. popular right black dude and he will post about like some black lives matter type stuff like the injustice and how it's not right and you will see all these white vegans in the comments like why are you bringing this up why are you trying to talk about this you're just race baiting and you're you know all those again those gaslighting ass trigger words and i sit there and i read the comments infuriated because all i can think is so y'all can see the parallel on why an animal is a sentient being but you don't want this black man to speak out on viewing black people as sentient beings because we are not seen as human beings in the people who are inherently afraid of us just because of our skin 
we're not viewed as humans. And it's like those people will also be like, oh, the animals and they'll cry over the cows. And again, you're speaking to a fellow vegan here. I get it. I don't disagree with none of that. But when that turns into you can relate more to a cow than your fellow man and see the not see the parallel in what's happening and you don't even want another black person to fill your feet up with him just speaking on something that affects him personally and that affects people who look like him. That's too much. But you don't feel that way about when he's posting slaughter videos and saying how this is injustice. You're all behind that. But you're not behind it when he's talking about a black body. I can't respect that. First of all, it's intersectional. It's absolutely. Why is it not valid? Second of all, you literally just said in this episode that people's babies were taken from them. People's mm-hmm. babies were taken from them. Yep. How can you not see? I mean, how can you not see the the resemblance? How can you not see it? It is just the same thing in a different form. And that is why intersectional intersectionality is such a big thing. It is. Like we should you should be able to talk about those things and we should be able to to learn what happened like that's why we can't erase it absolutely and you should be open to it it shouldn't make you feel some type of way that i'm telling you the truth about a country you love so much Mm -hmm. you should you should want to hear it and you should want to speak against it you know and it's like i just don't understand when people see what happened to ahmaud arbery and it's up for debate And it's like going back to the whole babies thing, you know, seeing black boys and black women as someone's child, viewing them as someone's mother, someone's brother, viewing them as somebody you would care about. That's also the disconnect, because one of the cases I covered on my podcast was Relisha Rudd, right? Very similar to the Kaylee Anthony situation. Where her mother, she's missing for a month and nobody reported anything and this baby is just gone, right? And to this day, they haven't found a body for Relisha Rudd, haven't found her, you know, and she went missing as a young child. I, since the Casey Anthony case wrapped, I have seen so many specials on Oxygen, ID Channel, 2020, you name it. I haven't seen one thing about Relisha Rudd. It's the same case because she's a poor little black girl from D.C. And her mom lived in a homeless shelter. And most importantly, she has a face that majority of America does not relate to, which is that of a little black girl. They don't humanize her because they don't see somebody they love in her. And that's a disgusting trait that people need to address within themselves. They need to accept that that's how they feel and they need to fix it. But when you say that to people, they don't want to hear that. Because they don't want to believe that they're a contributor to any type of white supremacy or any type of divisionist behavior. People want to feel like, well, as long as I'm not putting on a white hood and burning crosses in people's yards, I can't be a racist. And that just simply isn't true. No, it's not true. And and a couple of things on that. I mean, people, white yeah. people are defensive as fuck. Yes. And I remember when I was a little bit ignorant about certain culture and certain ways of living and certain people. And I remember when I was broken and I, I said, oh my God, it's not that I'm a racist. It's that 
my ancestors were and like it's still happening around us and I still mm-hmm. have a responsibility on my shoulders to help recorrect this and like that that's this isn't about that though but if anyone's listening and you're confused and you're white and you don't know why you feel angry and hurt and confused just you have to break you have to break and you have to open up and let that in and you have to figure out how to do something about it yes absolutely there's no good way to put it but like the the fucking quote-unquote pain that that white people feel when we address those ancestral traits or the traits in ourselves to this day, that is nothing compared to what the black community faces every single day, all day, for life. Yep. For life that ends in unfortunate circumstances like Ahmad's or Brianna's or so many others. Exactly. It's nothing. And that's that's why your voice is... Yeah, I'm here to lift your voice up and I'm here to back you up and I'm here to also take those steps and say to people, we can't see this, we can't see this happen. We can't let this continue. You have to do whatever you can to be in alliance. It's just, it's the world we have to live in if we want to ever fucking get ahead or feel just, I don't know, compassion for one another, especially as vegans, like you're saying. Yeah. It's intersectional. It is. It is. And it's like, you know, perspective wise, you know, and something I had to do with my students one time when I had a few that just were not getting it, you know, and to no fault of their own. That's another thing. I'm not blaming white people for the microaggressions and the little shit that you've picked up over time. Now, if you're overtly racist, I am blaming you because you're choosing to be assholes. Too much internet out here for all that. But for those of you who are just like, well, I don't see that as racist and I don't understand why just listen right i have a child she's 10 years old she's five foot two she don't look like a 10 year old you know what i mean and to no fault of her own when my child goes in a store and i have to yell at her because i'm afraid because she put her hands in her pockets because i don't want somebody to think that she's stealing some of you are probably listening with children right now. You got nieces and nephews and you would never think to, to say no shit like that to them. Or I'm 30 years old and no kidding, a week ago I went into Walgreens. I was looking for one specific thing. I did not want anything else but that one thing and they did not have it. And I was like, oh, well, I got to go across town to Target. So I'm just starting to walk out. And as I'm walking out, I slow down because I, to this day, I'm afraid to just walk out of a store without buying something because I don't want them to think I'm stealing. And I don't want to walk too fast out of that store because I don't want them to think I took something. I'm 30 years old and that ideal has been with me since I was a kid. You know, when my dad taught me to drive a car, it wasn't just about put on your seatbelt. It was, here's a clip for you to keep all of your paperwork on the visor. And if you get stopped, You don't move and you don't yell and you keep your hands up and you ask permission to grab your wallet and you ask permission to do this, that, and the third so you don't die. That's a real conversation that I had with my own dad. Not be safe. (laughs) It's don't die or being five years old and crying saying don't kill my dad for my dad getting stopped for a routine traffic stop. That's when I was five because that's the reality for black people. 
So when you curve your mouth to accuse us of not respecting authority and not being respectful enough, and if we would have just done this, and if we would have just listened, there's a history there. There's a reason why people of color don't have a positive relationship with the police. There's a reason why we are in fear because y'all are just now seeing it because we have smartphones. I've been aware of how police have treated black people since I was a small child. That's not new. It's new to y'all. So don't blame the media. Don't talk about fake news. This is not new. This is not new. It's new to you. And just because it's new to you doesn't give you the right to dismiss it because it would make you feel better if it wasn't true or if it was overhyped. Because then you're dismissive of my actual life and my children's actual life and all the black people I love's actual life. And you can't do that if you really truly believe you're a good person. You can't do that. So I, that's, that's my two pennies on it. You just can't. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, too, yeah. um, how, how have those examples trickled down uh, to your own children, if you feel, like, comfortable sharing? Because I know it, you, people want to say, oh, it's a different world, but I'm hearing that it's not. And it's, it's not. obviously not. It's and, not. And to hear what people have to teach their own children... Yeah, it's it's definitely not, you know, I will say this and I'm going to give my a shout out to my kids. You know, I'm very fortunate that I have raised two very strong, young black girls who are very comfortable in their blackness and who feel very empowered by it because I, as their mother, made that possible. And my kids are the ones who on Columbus Day who are like, yeah, I don't want to learn about people who steal, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a, that's what my oldest said at seven. and But she was able to give a reason behind that because I allow my kids to not just oh follow what I say, but ask me questions about it. Form your own thoughts and opinions. And yeah. when the teacher challenged my child and her response is, how do you claim something that people already live on? I can't go in your house and claim it because I like it. That's already your house. Yeah. That's a seven-year-old child or, you know, my five-year-old saying, you know, I think it's really messed up that this is, again, five-year-old language and she's kind of sassy. But she's like, I think it's really messed up that our older family members were in Africa living their best life and then they just got kidnapped and now we're here in, in America. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's and that's not me shitting on America at all. You know, I'm very I'm very glad to have the opportunities that I've had. It's just, it's that realization, you know, you can't not teach your kids. And just like I can't not teach my kids about the adversity that they are going to face, that they have already faced. Because like I said, my my oldest was called the N-word in kindergarten by another kindergartner. That is learned at home. That is learned. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like, you can't avoid it. Because you have to teach your kids against it. Because if your kid speaks against it as a child, they'll probably have to speak less against it in adulthood. They probably won't feel as timid speaking out against it in adulthood because they're willing to stand up for their friends as children. 
And it's not just my child having to defend herself and her friends just kind of looking like, oh, what's that about? You know, they should feel empowered to defend their friends, to defend other groups and to be aware that, hey, you might not have to deal with this, but your friend has to deal with it. Your friend has to live with people who hate them simply for being who they are, being born, you know? And it's just like something you can express, you know, to the kids around you is that, you know, when it comes to being black, I don't get to take my skin off. I'm a black woman before anything, whether I walk in in my uniform, whether I walk in in a suit, whether I have on my hoodie and my sweatpants, the first thing people see is my skin. And I can't take that off. I, I, it's not a choice that I got to make. So when people say stuff like, I don't see color, you shouldn't be teaching your kids that. Because that, that cancels out the reality for what people of color go through. No, I want you to see my color. Acknowledge me as a person. Because when you acknowledge me as a person, you acknowledge what I go through. And teaching your kids, oh, yeah. everybody's the same. Everybody is not the same. Unfortunately, we're not. Kids can obviously, you know, kids are the most honest creatures on the oh, planet. Yeah. They, if you tell them, no, you don't see color, they're going to say, well, no, I do. And I see that this person's my friend. And what I'm hearing from you is that you and so many others have to learn from the youngest age, from the age you are able to actually conceive the thoughts that this is how things are, this is how things may go, and you need to be prepared for this. And what I'm also hearing is white people... It's not too late, and it's never too early to teach your own kids oh, yeah. how to be allies from a young age. Oh, yeah. How to stand up for their classmates, for their friends. You know, we have to figure that out. <laughs> like, yeah, and you, you got to teach your kids that it's, more, it's less important for people to like you than for you to do the right thing. You got to teach them moral courage. And that's the thing. People don't people don't even have it in themselves. That's why it's hard for them to teach it to their kids, because they see this type of stuff happen at work and they would never say anything. And that's not me trying to attack anybody. But it's the fact you got to see that in yourself. You yourself are afraid to confront racism. How can you teach your kids to confront it? And you have to fix that in yourself. And honestly, what do we have to lose as white people? Honestly, like nothing. What do we have to lose? What are we afraid of? Are we afraid that someone will think we're standing up for black people because they don't stand up for black people? What do we have to lose, though? We're not going to probably lose our jobs or our lives. Like, I mean, Jesus, like, what do you have to lose for yeah. doing the right thing? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like an awesome mom. I, I try to be. It is, um, it is an everyday struggle (laughs) it is and it's it's really learning it's learning and unlearning as well because i will say Mm this is this is a different type of side note so maybe we can have a different episode i'll come back talk about parenting but you you really i look i will because i'm very passionate about it you really gotta unpack what you're doing as a parent i don't think any person actually sits down and asks himself what type of parent do I need to be for my child not want to be 
do I need to be for my child? And as somebody with three children, they all got the same rules. They don't all get treated the same because they are not the same person. And I don't think people take the time to unpack that is that parenting is, is bigger than just, Oh, I had you. And this is who I want you to be. Your kids are not your property. You don't get to mold them into something. You don't get to make them into this image that you had in your head. You gave birth to them, but they are their own creation. And they will either release hell on this earth because of the trauma you put them through, or they will be better people because of the way that you raised them. And it's really just that simple. Especially right now, it's just so... Oh, yeah. It's a crucial time. It's a crucial time. I mean, maybe by the time, like, your 10-year-old becomes 12 or 13 they'll be back to that normal socializing she'll be in high school and she'll have the high school experience but uh, you know but for now we don't know and and we have to get them through this crazy time on many levels a crazy time uh yeah not just (laughs) COVID-19 how this country handles one another and embraces one another or doesn't embrace one another absolutely but do you want to talk a little bit about how Ahmad's situation came to justice? Do you feel like that had to do with um, the internet, basically? Absolutely. Listen, power of the internet and power of raising your voices. I need people to realize this situation happened in February. Nothing started to move until April. And that's when we just heard about it. And then the video came out. And then that's when you got to see what happened. And I am actually glad that that lawyer put out that video, he thought he was doing his client a favor, um, but it actually really just did a mod justice, which is honestly how things should go. But a big part of that was the internet. And a big part of that was people being vocal and calling these people. And just as my granny would say, staying on that ass, all right, about justice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like foots, yeah. foots on necks, as my granny would say. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's how you get it done. And it has to be persistent. It can't just stop because these people got arrested. They need to know that we're watching and we're going to be watching the trial. And we're going to be watching how the GBI moves because fortunately the McMichaels were arrested and the person who um, was recording was arrested as well. And I'm glad because there's some stuff going on and it ain't right. And for those of y'all who don't live in the South who are like, this can't be, I promise you it is. I, I, it's unfortunate. But when I tell you they really believe the South will rise again out there and it's, it's, it ain't everybody, but it's out there. And granted, racism is global. Racism is national and it is global. But in the South, there is a vibe and there's still a division. And there's still that segregation type mood. It just lingers in the air. I don't even know how to describe it. So I just need people to be aware that People aren't trying to over-dramatize. This is real life. And there are people who really think this way. And Brunswick, Georgia is a very segregated community, even in 2020. And that, unfortunately, that's what led to this. But thank God that these men are in jail. They don't have a bond. And they're going to sit there till they go to trial, as they should. And I hope and pray that we actually get some justice for Ahmad after all of this is said and done like some true justice because there's there's a semi good feeling in the people being arrested and charged it's what's going to happen in that courtroom 
because you never know. So I'm I'm going to hold my breath a little bit. I do feel happy about it, but I'm going to hold my breath a little bit because I want to see, uh, as I like to call it, the injustice system and see what it's going to do. Because you never know. The other day I was talking to somebody who was, I think, oh, I don't know. They were somewhere in the UK and they said the UK is just like holding their breath, waiting to see America break out in another civil war. Mm. And uh, I have friends, not friends, but I've seen, well, Facebook quote unquote friends uh, who, who are sharing that there's this group for these white men who did this to Ahmad, mm-hmm. that there's a group of people who are trying to say like, oh, save them, let's pray for them, blah, blah, blah. And I just want to scream like, why are you wasting your time and energy on that? Don't even look at that shit. Like, spend that time actually doing something. Absolutely. Rather than sitting here and commenting on how dumb these people are and sharing it for them, for more dumb people to join that fucking group. Exactly. Like, don't do that. Don't waste your energy on that. Focus on, focus on a mod. Focus on the community, the black community. Yeah, and and figure out how you can help the community in your in your area. You know what I mean? Because yeah. a lot of it starts at home. What can you do for, and not just black people, poor people as well. Anybody who you have any type of economic or personal foothold over, you know, what can you do? Like, I'm not the richest person in the world, but I am comfortable. And anytime my kids grow out of clothes, I donate clothes. I will buy extra food and I will take it to, you know, the women's shelter and things like that. It's small, but it's big because it's helping. It's just helping somebody who I have a little bit more than they do. And I'm just using that to help them. Or I'm looking into who's in charge of my county. A lot of people don't even know who their local officials are or what those people stand for. A lot of those people affect the community as a whole. So look at what can you realistically do within your means to help the people around you and to help anybody who's less fortunate than you, even if it's just by a little bit. What can you do? And and that's all it takes. It's just, it's small but it's big. And it starts with that research of, in general, oh, yeah. what what does the community need? What does the black community need? But also, but also during COVID-19, who's been displaced? Mm. Who's, who needs that now? Yep. Um, in addition to just in general? Or who, who can you shift your focus toward? Absolutely. For sure? Absolutely. Do you have any other thoughts right now? You know, I really just want to say at the end of the day, if you're listening to this, if you made it this far and you are very much in your feelings or you feel like I'm attacking you, I want you to know I'm glad that you're in your feelings because you should be. This is not an easy topic, but I'm not attacking you. What I am attacking is what you've thought to be true about yourself, what you maybe thought you were or probably still think you are, which is maybe a better person in some areas than you might be brought up areas of improvement because ultimately this is feedback this is not me attacking anyone it's feedback it's giving you a perspective other than your own so I hope if we've made it this far and you feel some type of way go back and listen again but listen with the intent to understand where I'm coming from listen with the intent to empathize with me and my children and the people that I love 
and and then look at it from that perspective and ask yourself, you know, if this was your family member, how would you feel about it? Would you want people on the internet debating what they should have done? Or would you just be able to look at it objectively? And that's really all that I have. I don't want to attack anybody. I just want people to open their eyes and see the reality for me and many other black people and people of color. Because it's real. And just because you don't see your neighbor's house burning doesn't mean that it's not on fire. And that's really all that I have. Thank you, Randy. Thank you for being here and for for being the voice for this episode because it's so important. Obviously, it's so important. It, I shouldn't even have to say that. Yeah. <laughs> but it means so much that you took time to be here, especially when you're taking a break from your own podcast. <laughs> um, hopefully, this gets it, you know, gets you rolling back into it pretty soon. And oh yeah, uh, I know everyone's excited to hear more from you. And if you want to follow Randy, we'll have everything linked in the description below the podcast episode, as well as uh, on the intro and outro. You can follow her. Absolutely, I look forward to some new listeners. I think you've said everything that we can say in an hour, so (laughs) we'll just, we'll wrap it up here. So I look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely. We'll talk to you in the Chub Club soon, everyone. All right. Bye, you guys. Thanks for having me. To hear more from Randy, follow her podcast at Cases of Color on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For those of you just joining, the Vegan Chub Club was co-founded by a chubby, black, queer, amazing young woman named Eden Jacks. Follow her at Eden Loves Life. The Vegan Chub Club will always be a safe and inclusive space for the queer community, people of all size, and shade diversity. If you or someone you know is struggling, reach out to the Crisis Text Line by texting HOME to 741-741 for 24-7 crisis counseling. Until next week.